Good morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn to John chapter 3 with me. Be in the first several verses through verse 21, actually, together this morning. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Nicodemus is getting frisky with Jesus, isn't he? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you you hear its sound, but you, you don't know where it comes from or, or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How, how can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Jesus responds, are, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Truly, I tell you, we, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If, if I've told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world. For God, I messed up. It's that NIV uh, memorization kicking in. The CSB, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 18, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. There was a, a young woman, young lady in my uh, summer English literature class that I took. It was an evening class, um, and this, this young girl did not have uh, a car, and she would wait for her, uh, for her mom, actually, to come get her after class. Uh, her mom was usually late. Um, Leslie Ann and I struggle with punctuality at times, and we really want not be those parents who... Our kids are always waiting on, but that was an aside that had nothing to do with the story. 
It's me pastoring myself there for a moment. Her mom would come get her and she would be late. So there was time after class and I would wait with her. And looking back, I wonder what she thought about this. Maybe she thought it was chivalrous, probably thought it was more creepy, but I had the best intentions. Uh, And, you know, something that about the reason I was called or I I received and accepted a call to be a pastor is let you know something about me. I have always for whatever reason, maybe it's being a preacher's kid or I've, when I meet someone, first thing I think of is whether or not they know Jesus. I want to know that. I'm wondering that. I'm looking for clues. Do they know Jesus? Do they follow Jesus? Are they being formed by Jesus? So especially at 20 years old, it did not take me uh, much longer than one, you know, time waiting with this young girl to find out, inquire about what she believes. And as it turns out, she wasn't a Christian. And as it turns out, she rejected my evangelical advances. How dare she? But I was undeterred, and I pushed harder and harder. And actually, looking back, as a 20-year-old, I bet my argument, whatever it was at the time, was rather weak. I remember N.T. Wright saying about C.S. Lewis, if you're familiar with Lewis, one of our great Christian apologists, Wright said about Lewis, this was one time said about him, that when Lewis's argument, when he was engaging someone about faith, when his argument would misfire, using weaponry uh, metaphor here, Lewis would just turn that pistol around and beat the person over the head with the blunt end of the gun. It's a graphic, brutal image, but we are dealing in matters of faith here. We can't force someone to agree with us, as hard as I may have been trying with this young girl, I'm pretty sure I turned that pistol around and used the blunt in. And she finally just looked at me and she said, Brandon, I don't want what you have. I'm good. I'll never forget that. At the heart of Nicodemus's encounter with Jesus, is the question of salvation. The question surrounding rescue and and salvation, redemption, this is at the heart of the Israelites' relationship with God. They suffered long and they suffered often. Now their suffering was often very closely related to their disobedience, but still they went through long periods of time of oppression by different people groups, different factions, different circumstances. So this idea that they were to be saved once and for all was a big part of their life and their relationship with God. And at the heart of Nicodemus approaching Jesus was the question, are you the one who is finally going to make it right? Now, the young girl that I waited with for her mom to pick her up, her ultimate response to me was humbling for sure. And I also think that humility is at the heart of Nicodemus's interaction with Jesus. Nicodemus is questioning Jesus. Now he doesn't phrase his first comment as a question necessarily, but he's fishing for a response. There's a, there's a question buried in there for sure, because Jesus has been doing his signs. He's been doing wonders. He's been making a scene so to speak, 
And Nicodemus is, and the talk is happening. Nicodemus is wondering, is this the one to come? You don't do these things unless God is with you. Is this the one that is going to bring salvation? And Nicodemus had a reputation as a strong, well-respected religious leader, spiritual advisor during the time. And, And maybe if you notice in the story, he goes to Jesus when? At night. I think this probably had to do with him trying to preserve to protect that reputation a bit. Let me not let my friends see what I'm doing. I don't want to compromise my reputation as I go and inquire from this religious leader. It was an apt thing he picked up on there. If he suspected Jesus might turn everything upside down, he was right. Verse 3, Jesus interrupts him pretty much as Nicodemus is trying to tell Jesus what he knows. And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, Nicodemus, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Jesus doubles down in verse five and answers him and says, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus tells Nicodemus, unless unless you're born again, unless you let go of all of your devices and schemes, unless you are open to being completely new. Nicodemus, you might as well give up. Being born again is necessary. Being able to say, I don't have all the answers. Being able to admit, I I don't even know if I know the right questions to ask. I, I need someone to help me, to save me. I need what Jesus is calling here a rebirth. There's humility embedded in that, right? If Nicodemus is going to get there, for him, it's going to require humility. And humility is hard for a lot of us. I I would argue it's hard for all of us. And again, Nicodemus was a well-respected teacher of Israel. Jesus says it right here in verse 10. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Now, it was verse 2, if you look back, where Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs. You do, unless God were with him. In verse 11, Jesus throws this we know back at Nicodemus, saying we, we speak about and we know, we testify to what we know and have seen. But you, Nicodemus, and many others are skeptical. Then verse 12, Jesus says, if, if I told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? If I told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how Will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Here is effectively what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, if you cannot see that rebirth is necessary, how will you ever believe that Jesus has made it possible? 
that only Jesus has made it possible. Nicodemus, if you can't even humble yourself enough to admit that you need help. And he's laying this all on Nicodemus, but this is a question for all of us. Nicodemus, if you can't see that rebirth is necessary, if you're not even open in your life to, to understand that you need help, that you need a new start, and that you're not going to be the one to initiate and complete that new start, then how will you ever get to the point to believe that Jesus alone has made that possible? That's a good question. Do you see how humility is at the heart of our ability to recognize our need for the gospel? Our need for Jesus. Now, Nicodemus models going to Jesus as the authority, whether, whether or not he's trying to trick Jesus or he really believed that Jesus might be who he suspected Jesus might be. We don't, we don't really know that. We don't know if he's trying to trick him. Some did. But we can still learn from his example of going to Jesus as an authority. I'm, I'm concerned for anyone Anyone among us who is unable to say, there's a lot I can still learn. I'm talking to Christians too. I know most of you are. I'm concerned about anyone who can't bring themselves to say, I still have a lot to learn. There's a lot that I do not yet know. People with humility ask questions. So I think we can learn from Nicodemus's interaction with Jesus. First, ask questions. Be curious. And, 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 and as we go about being the church at Harpeth Heights, as we prepare to receive so many new people and have received over the last five years, so many new people into our city, we're going like crazy. I know you've noticed We can help foster an environment where people can ask questions. I remember sitting in one of my homiletics classes and homiletics is a fancy word for preaching. Sorry. And and we were we were engaging on what the point is of, of delivering a sermon. And there's so many, so many different ways to to look at that. But I'll never forget this day. The professor asked us, Are you are you trying? Are you trying to tell people what to think? Or are you more trying to help people think? Well, I don't know the right answer to that. I know what the professor was leading us to answer. And I know what my heart answered immediately. I don't want to tell you what to think. Any more than I still engage people with the gospel of Jesus Christ like I did when I was 20. And was told by that young girl she didn't want it. We grow. We learn. I want us to help one another think. How much better when someone comes to believe in Jesus through our own encounter with Jesus, through their own encounter with Jesus, excuse me, rather than them just taking our word for it. That's born of the Spirit. That's when the Spirit comes in and works. So let's be an environment where people can ask questions. Second, let's be people who ask Jesus questions. I know he's never spoken to you audibly in your backyard. 
Maybe he has. And if he has, I want to hear that story. I love those stories. But we still ask Jesus questions. And let me tell you something. Jesus can handle your questions. If we see anything in this story, it's Jesus handling Nicodemus' questions. And third, we, we, we have to be humble and bold. Humility and boldness. Again, Nicodemus initially came at night, and I think that probably had to do with him preserving his reputation. But, you know, let's, let's not let any of my friends know, at least right now, that I'm interested in, in Jesus. But then I read verse 19 that we read earlier. Look at 19 again. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Isn't that interesting? And this light-dark contrast is, is prevalent throughout John's whole gospel. And listen, we don't know for sure if Nicodemus ultimately came to follow and be formed by Jesus. I want to believe that he did. But there are hints in chapter 19, if you know where John's story is going. Nicodemus moves from someone who came to Jesus with his, with his initial questions in the night to someone who acts boldly. We find him in chapter 19 helping Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus' body to the tomb, caring for it, dressing it, etc. And this was a highly volatile time where doing such a thing could have gotten Nicodemus in trouble or killed. But he was bold now. Seems to love Jesus enough to care for his body, and I would like to think he was experiencing rebirth. When I think about our Pursue campaign and what we have in store for the weeks ahead and more importantly, the months and the years ahead, I see our need to imagine ourselves not just in Nicodemus's sandals, but in Jesus's as well in this story. How will we, with humility, help people know they need to be, believe they need to be born again? That we all do. It, it takes time, it takes patient endurance, it takes skills at making friends, it takes relationship building. That, that, one fifth, that first 15-minute conversation after English Lit class was not ever going to be enough to convince Jenny, that was her name, that she needed Jesus to be born again. I was never going to be enough. It takes the Spirit. Perhaps the best I could have done would have been just to be kind to her. I don't know if I accomplished that. I think I came across too strong. To, to let her know what I believe through conversation, non-awkwardly and without pressure, and let that be that. And maybe an opportunity for a relationship could have presented itself, but probably not. But who else might she have come in contact with over the last 20 years? We... We never know. But a kind interaction from me with her, that can build a relationship toward Jesus, with Jesus. We, we can still care whether or not someone knows Jesus. We have to. But we can also do it with patience, trusting that God is working. Now, I know I'm dealing with some nuanced stuff here, and I never want to, to, to remove the possibility that you might 
have the opportunity to have what I have called in the past a taxicab conversation with someone. You know, you've got that finite amount of time and you've got to get it all in because you're never going to see that person again. I get it. That can happen. I'm not totally removing that. I'm just saying in my experience, I've seen the harm that that can cause. It reminds me of a story that Fred Craddock used to tell. He was asked to come speak. Fred Craddock's a pastor I tell you all about all the time. I love his stories. He was asked to speak at a certain denominational convention that was happening in Las Vegas. While on earth, this particular denomination was having their pastor's convention in Las Vegas. He wasn't sure, but he went. It's usually a place that pastors go and don't tell anybody they're going, but this was a big, it's a bad joke. I went to Las Vegas once. I thought it was fun, but anyway, that's another sermon. Um, He got in the taxi cab from the hotel to go to the conference, and he told the cab driver where he was going. The cab driver said, isn't that where the conference is where all those preachers and folks are going? Craddock said, well, yeah, yeah. He said, what did he say exactly? He said, I'm I'm Roman Catholic. I go to Mass. My wife goes to Mass. My children go to Mass. We're a Catholic family, and we love Jesus. We're Christians. So if you want to convert me, get in somebody else's cab. Craddock said, sir, I just want to go to the convention center. He said, okay, I could take you there, but I need you to understand that I've already had four people try to convert me this morning. I'm tired of it. It does require some nuance. I cannot help but think that if we, if we lack humility, if we lack patient endurance, if we we don't take time to to do things like like care for one another well. Meals, hospital visits, phone calls. We don't take time to to put the incredible amount of energy and, and volunteer hours that it takes to pull off something like we did Friday with our mobile food pantry. Then we we just aren't representing Jesus and his kingdom the way that we've been called to do. And and listen, y'all, people, I'm afraid, won't see us as people with any kind of authority. People won't see us as having any kind of light to offer in the darkness. People won't come to us with their questions. We've been talking a lot about PursueTN.com amongst the campus pastors, obviously. And Mike asked the question this week when we were together. And it stuck with me, and I want to pose it to us all. Are we and are we going to be a place where people can imagine coming with their questions? My goodness, we have to be. Are we living in such a way that people are interested in what is going on in our lives? And are we people who others will trust with their questions? And if they do come with their questions, are we going to be a community that, that gives only matter of fact, terse answers? We can't be. They fall short. People bring their questions to places where they find people dealing with the questions already. We aren't know-it-alls. We can't act like it. We follow the one who knows it all. And more importantly, as Oksana so beautifully, I didn't know she was going to do it earlier, but I'm so glad she did. The one who knows it all, but more importantly, knows us. We are a community helping one another think 
not telling one another what to think. And when you do that, you are in relationship with one another. As the band comes back up, we're about to finish. The older I get, I know I'm not that old yet, but I'm getting older. The older I get, the more I'm learning to to value not just the right answers, but the right questions, the right conversations. Because it's in these questions that lead to conversations that we find confidence in our belief that we need to be born again. And that Jesus has actually made that possible. Let's pray.